the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of the men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, not, children born not of natural descent, nor of, a, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Thank you, uh, girls, for reading and... We're going to talk a little bit about that passage tonight in John chapter 1. If you brought a Bible with you, I uh, invite you to uh, put a finger there in John 1 and also a finger in Luke chapter 1. And uh, this will be quick. I, uh, I love these Christmas songs. Um, at least the songs make it feel like Christmas. The 80 degree weather outside does not make it feel like Christmas. I, uh, I texted with a friend who lives in uh, Hawaii, and it's colder there than it is here uh, today. How amazing. Um, I, li- I literally thought, maybe I'll wear my Hawaiian shirt uh, for Christmas Eve service. I was trying on jackets in front of the family earlier. I had actually decided what I was going to wear, and they vetoed it. And this is the jacket that HUD picked out. He said it made, uh, made him feel nostalgic. Um, and I said, Hudson, uh, Hudson, my third grader. Hudson, what, what is nostalgic? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to use bigger words these days. Um, anyway, I had great Christmases growing up. Uh, my dad started several new churches and pastored churches all over the South. Uh, most Christmas memories I have is us traveling back to Mooringsport or Oil City, Louisiana, where my parents were from. My grandparents lived at the time, and we were going home to celebrate And oftentimes that meant on Christmas Eve or even Christmas Day, trips covering several states. Even with all the traveling, my parents made Christmas so special for us. The food and the traditions and the gifts. Many years as we were starting new churches, my parents were so poor, uh, but we didn't really know it. They stretched the money far. And that's why I love Christmas and why I try to pass on Christmas, Christmas traditions to my kids And we all love it. Claire decided last year she wanted a full-size tree in her room, and uh, we got her one, and she kept it up all year. Seriously, she never took it down. On the way home from the beach, mid-October, we started listening to Christmas music, and so, uh, and we're trying just to, uh, to, to, to glean everything we can from the Christmas season. Last week, I uh, had a conversation with a different pastor, and he was, uh, him and some of his church We're headed to an orphanage to uh, bring some gifts and to love on some of those kids. And he talked about how hard Christmas season was on so many of those kids. No permanent home, no parents in their lives, just a hard season. And I thought about that. This is why Advent is such a gift to you and me. I want Christmas 
And I like to make Christmas about me and the traditions, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But what I need is Advent. Advent means the appearing of Jesus. It means Jesus showing up. That's why the church has been celebrating this for uh, thousands of years. The four Sundays leading up to Christmas in this season they call Advent. The tradition started shortly after Jesus uh, ascended off that great uh, Mount of Ascension and his followers to emphasize how miraculous the coming of the God-man was. They instituted the season of Advent around the tradition of Christmas. Harrison Warren again expresses this thought so perfectly. She says, to practice Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache. Our deep, wordless desire for things to be made right and the incompleteness we find in the meantime. By focusing our hearts on the first and second appearances of Christ, Advent is an opportunity to face up to the darkness in order to appreciate the light. Now, culture solution to this weariness or this darkness is to distract ourselves with consumerism or denial strategies, but that's no real solution. Tonight, we can face the brokenness and weariness of the world. The world might try to dull the pain of our suffering, but the refreshing news that Scripture never does that, it never simply tries to dull it, it tries to replace it with a greater affection for Jesus. The Word of God refreshes the soul in spite of the weariness. It brings light in the darkness by reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world and He is with us every step of the way. And that is so encouraging to my heart. John 1 introduces Jesus to us this way. What the girls just read, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you ever feel like the opposite of that is true? That the darkness is winning? It's been a rough couple years, and there's been some really dark things that have happened. And our souls can be weary and burdened. But the Christmas season, the reminder that Jesus is with us in the midst of that. I love that reminder in John chapter 1. That the darkness had not overcome it. The Gospel of Luke, however, gives us a little more backstory. He introduces the Christmas story to us. And he starts with the miraculous birth of John the Baptist. Zechariah was a priest, what we might would call a pastor in a small unknown town, and he had the fortune of serving at the temple. It was this, it would have been equivalent to this once-in-a-lifetime ministry opportunity. It was the Super Bowl of opportunities for a pastor. And while serving, an angel appeared to him and told him that his humanly impossible prayer was being answered. He and his wife, both advanced in years, historians think that she was 85 years old, was going to have a child. And not just any child, this child would be the greatest of all the prophets. He would be a forerunner of Jesus. Again, John chapter 1 speaks of him there in verse 6. There a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And that was John's ministry. But let's back up a little bit, zoom out just a little bit further. 
The angel appeared to Zechariah, and we don't have time to read the whole passage, but Zechariah didn't believe the angel's promise. It was just too difficult to believe. It felt too good to be true. And because of all his doubt and unbelief, he couldn't talk for the next nine months until the baby came. Well, this had been prophesied. Nine months later, this miraculous baby came, John the Baptist. Of course, it was a momentous occasion. Zechariah's voice returned, and Scripture records that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he's filled, rejoicing over his new little baby that he had maybe even stopped praying for because it was just so long he had prayed for it. He turns into this holy song of worship to God. And it's an incredible song. It's in Luke chapter 1. Again, we don't have time to read the whole thing, but I encourage you maybe to do it. So much historical significance. But there's one, uh, one, one part I want us to see in verse 48, I mean 78 of Luke 1. Man, this is such a powerful passage. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. He paints a pretty accurate picture of the reality that they were living in. He describes it as living in darkness and the shadow of death. Maybe you can identify, maybe you have had a hard year or a couple years. Certainly it was true here. There's this phrase in the song, Oh Holy Night, that we're going to sing in just a minute as we light our candles, that describes their condition well, and maybe even ours, where it says, a weary world rejoices. And friends, it's okay to be weary. There's an entire book of the Old Testament that's called Lamentations. It's, it's a book about lament. It's a book about being so weary that you let God know how weary you are. The people of God in the first century were certainly weary. And as we look at it, ever since the fall, from our parents in the Garden of Eden as sin entered the world, there's been a weariness to the people of God. There's been a hope for all things to be made right, but there's been this realization that things are really broken. And as much as we try to numb the pain and escape the pain, it's just, it's just there. I talked to a friend yesterday on the phone in the midst of this crazy season and he said man just pray for me I'm just I just kind of been I feel like just a shadow's been following me you ever feel like that there's been a weariness to the people of God from the beginning if you look all the way back Israel's journey to the promised land they're just trying to get there and trying to get there and there's obstacle after obstacle in their way and then the years of Babylonian captivity longing to be in the city of Jerusalem again, longing to worship again, and then 400 years of silence in the intertestamental time. And it's coming out of that season, which would have surprised Zechariah so much that the angel appeared. The first message from God in four centuries. Of course they were weary. And many of us are weary too. There seems to be an unusual amount of suffering around us. Just in our little community, young people, having car accidents and losing their lives. Just in the past few weeks, multiple of those, people in the hospital clinging for their lives. There's people on our staff. We're praying as a staff for people who are on a vent currently. We're praying that God would bring healing. That's heavy things. 
And it's okay to admit that weariness. It's just not okay for us to lose hope in them. That's why the Hebrew writer says that we hold on to our hope unswervingly. As in with, with both hands. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the 20th century martyr, put it this way about Advent. I love this. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. I love that. Admit the places and parts that we're tired and weary and troubled. We can take those to God. And yet, at the same time, running to Jesus, looking forward for the greater things that are to come. That's how Zach would end his song here. The light was coming. It was invading darkness. Not just so we wouldn't be in the dark. No, the purpose of the light, he says here, would be to guide our feet in the, pe- in the path of peace. A few verses before, in his holy song, Back to God, this is how Zechariah describes it. That the coming of Jesus would give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And that's what we celebrate tonight. The coming of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. He coming into our broken worlds. God with us. Not just God for us as if he's a proud parent just cheering us on. Not just God around us sending us text messages of encouragement. God came to be with us. The light invaded the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it. I love how Zechariah says this. Because of the tender mercy of our God. Isn't that a beautiful statement for those of you who've walked with God? How tender his mercy is. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness. And to guide our feet into the path of peace. John chapter 1, verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't even recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Notice that phrase in verse 9, the true light. You know, friends, uh, there are so many false lights, things that we run to for wisdom or satisfaction or truth or the real meaning of life. But in the end, they leave us worse off than we found them. But that's not so with Christianity. Christianity is the true light. Christianity is not fundamentally a religion of people who know the truth, inviting people who are so wrong to believe that truth. I say that because the Pharisees themselves knew the truth, and yet they missed Jesus. Maybe it's more accurately described as people who are humble and have found life through the light of the gospel, through Jesus. Those people who have found the light, inviting people who are proud to lay down their pride and find that same light. We're going to get ready to light our candles in just a minute. But I want to give you a couple things to think about, ways that we could respond to this invitation of Jesus. 
One, that we would seek the light. Friends, God is at work all around you. Even in the midst of the darkness, Jesus is near, leading us with his light, guiding us in the way of peace. If we miss him, it's not because he's not there or that he's fallen asleep at the wheel somehow. It's because we're not looking. And my encouragement to you, from my heart to yours, as a, as a friend, as a pastor, is to seek the true light this Christmas. To listen for his voice. To ask him for wisdom. John 10 describes Jesus as the good shepherd. And it says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Would you make that resolution in your own heart that you would seek the direction that comes only from Jesus, that you would lay your pride down and come to him? Seek the light and then walk in the light or be the light. Don't go back to the old way of life, the way of hiding and blaming and consuming and numbing. The world is hard and we've gotten really good at numbing the pain, but that didn't solve anything. No, give yourself over to the things of light and walk in that light. I've told this story before. A friend of mine who's a church planter was on vacation, and he has six kids. And the youngest of his kids on this vacation, this was several years ago, they went to Arizona, the foothills of some mountains there. And they stayed in this Airbnb, and it was great. And his youngest son was about two years old, pretty tall for his age as he tells the story. And a sheriff comes and knocks on the door and asks him if he was missing a baby in a diaper. And he said, of course not. It's 2 in the morning. He's alerted. No, we're not missing anybody. They all go back to bed. The sheriff comes back another 30 minutes later, and he says, hey, your neighbor was taking his dog out uh, uh, right next to you and said he saw a baby walk out the front door. So my buddy Simon goes upstairs and starts looking everywhere, and he does find that his, indeed, his little baby, his youngest, his two-year-old is missing from the house. And evidently, he was just tall enough to reach the deadbolt and to escape. Well, on goes the search. They wake up the family and the neighbors, and they call the law enforcement, and they're searching everywhere. It's the dead of night. It begins to rain it's 30 degrees. If you could hear Amanda tell this story, she can't tell it without crying how fearful she was. And then they turned the corner and they could hear the distant cry of a baby. Almost half a mile from home. They have no idea how he got that far. He was standing under a patio <clears throat> of an empty house shivering in that little diaper, crying for his mom. Of course, she runs up there and grabs him, trying to warm him up. He had been in the elements for several hours. He's fine now, but I, as I was studying and hearing them tell that story, just amazing. And I kept thinking, I kept having this image of this is how most of us are. We're standing in the cold and shivering when warmth and embrace, and your family is right there. And yet, because we're so proud, we're standing on our own in the elements, away from God the Father. And yet, God the Father is calling us home. And this is what Christmas really is. It's the arrival of Jesus telling us it's time to come home.
This is what we celebrate at Christmas. The light of the world invading the darkness and the darkness not overcoming. My encouragement is that you would walk in the light, that you would be the light. Matt Miles and the band to come on up. And if you got a candle when you came in, if you would just get it out. And as, as the light begins to fill the room, if you would think about those two things, seeking the light and walking in the light. Thank you.